We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's mailbag time, and, and it's mailbag time edition, USC versus Notre Dame edition. And we've got we've got a lot of good questions, a lot of things that we will get to here, which I, I'm looking forward to, to discussing. We're going to start with Christopher LoFaro. Should Notre Dame use the 2021 Michigan blueprint versus Ohio State? Uh, thank you. Uh, Ryan, I mean, Some they're, parts diff- of it. they're a different parts team, of it. Right? right? I mean, that's the thing is they're a different team. They have different strengths. You right. know, and um, but the philosophy, I would say, yes, yeah. pound the mess out of them with the football, create some big play opportunities, make sure your quarterback's efficient because Cade McNamara was super efficient that game. And then and you're going to give up yards, but make them work for those yards or work for those yeah. points is what they I mean. Yeah, CJ Stroud threw for a mess of yards in that game. They couldn't really run yeah. the football and yeah. they couldn't punch it in the end zone because they he had to throw the ball a ton. To get those yards. Everything was difficult for Ohio State in that game. Every completion they had just felt like it was just a lot more difficult than it had been during the year. And then the other thing was, too, Michigan did a great job getting pressure on CJ. They did a really nice job creating a pressure all day in that football game. So creating pressure, keeping quarterback in check, and running the football, yeah, philosophically, those are three very important things to consider in this game. Absolutely. Detroit Hunter, can we get bonus NFL Thanksgiving Day game picks, Ryan? And let me uh, let me just pull this up here real quick so I can give everybody the games. And I know that you already know them, but I'm going to pull them up anyway. I, I hate picking so, NFL games, though. So yeah. So we have Bills at Lions. I think we can all agree on that one, right? I don't know, man. I don't know. Come on now. <laughs> is Josh Allen playing? Is he is he hurt? Is he he's, hurt? He's, a, he's a little banged up, but he did play last week. Yeah. All right, so Ryan, you have the twelve thirty game on CBS. You have the Buffalo, the seven and three Buffalo Bills against the four and six Detroit Lions. The Bills are a nine and a half point favorite. Mister Roberts, what say you? Well, I will, t- I will take the Bills to win the football game, but I will take the Lions covering that nine okay. and a half. That is a massive, massive line for an NFL game. So, well. If you want to talk about massive lines, we've got another one coming up here that's even more massive. I was going to say massiver. 
the seven and three New York Giants at the seven and three Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are four and one at home. The Giants are three and one at home. But Dallas is a ten point favorite in this That's game. Wild man. I know Giants. Are, Giants are coming off of an ugly game last week where they lost uh, actually to the Detroit Lions, I believe, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And they've lost two out of three. Yeah, so they've come down to earth a little bit. Uh, I do think that Brian Dable has done a really good job with that team because they were. A bad football team over the last couple years over Joe Judge, under Joe Judge, excuse me. So I think that they are still heading in the right direction, but that's another team that I might pick Giants to cover, but I think the Cowboys win, and I have Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb on my fantasy team, so I will be rooting for the Dallas Cowboys as well. So you kind of hope that they cover, because that means they score a lot of points. Obviously, the Cowboys have been scoring a lot of points lately. Scored 49 yes. against the Bears, 40 against the Vikings, sandwiched in between 28 points and a loss to the to the Packers. And, of course, the Cowboys won the first meeting in at the Giants at New York, uh, 23-16 early in the season. Final game, 8-20 on NBC. Mm-hmm. That's a random start time, but that's NBC, I guess. Uh, the New England Patriots, the 6-4 and four New England Patriots at the 8-2 and two Minnesota Vikings, the Vikings are just a two and a half point home favorite over the Patriots. Mr. Roberts, what say you in this game? I might take the Patriots in the upset in that one, man. The Vikings are just kind of a farce in my opinion. I just think they're just a little fake. <laughs> I mean, they, they've, they've won some games ugly. They've won a lot of games ugly this year and they have some good qualities. Stefan Diggs is I mean, not Stephon Diggs. Um, Justin Jefferson, sorry, new star receiver. Vikings just get one every couple years, apparently. Justin Jefferson's an incredible football player. Dalvin Cook's very good when healthy. I just, I just, there's something about Kirk Cousins I don't trust, Brian. So give me the, uh, give me the upset there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
so there you go. You got your picks, Detroit Hunter. I'm not touching those because I have not watched any of those teams play a second of football this year. If if you if you bet those games, by the way, and it's wrong what I just said, do not hold me liable. I right. just asked this. Should never ever bet based off anything that we say about NFL or anything else. That's your business. Jordan Schreiber says, Brian, I am thank you for the soup chat, Jordan. Brian, I'm grateful for your rock solid character and integrity. Thank you. That you've brought to IB. I'm subscribed to 247 and on three. IB blows them away. Appreciate you. Well, then you should be saving your money, homie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're cheaper than both of them. That's At least a, we will a, be when your $1 one year membership runs up. That's a lot of compliments right? to you, Brian. Yeah, I appreciate that. What's a compliment to us? It's a compliment. It's, it's, it's good looks. So, oh, I mean, yeah, of- that's just a given. <laughs> but. Uh, but no, Jordan's one of the OGs of our, our YouTube channel. So I appreciate you, Jordan, very, very much. Very, very much. David Heswell, the Super Chat. Thank you very much, David. He says, uh, best Notre Dame content on the interwebs, onward Notre Dame. We appreciate you as well. Very much, David. Very, very much. And I, I sincerely appreciate that. Wade Garrett with a Super Chat. With a, also, happy Thanksgiving to both of you and both to you both and all of Ivy Nation. Don't ruin your Thanksgiving dinner with cranberry sauce. I am not a cranberry sauce guy. My wife likes cranberry. She makes homemade cranberry sauce. I'm not a cranberry. Ryan, I am about as traditional. I'll say traditional. I'm about as plain as you can be on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I like turkey. I like yeah. mashed potatoes and corn. Yes. Yes, I have mashed potatoes and corn. I do not put gravy on my mashed potatoes. I put corn in my mashed potatoes and stir them up, and that's how I like my mashed potatoes. I like stuffing, and I like bre- rolls. That's my Thanksgiving meal. I, and I'll I, go back for seconds and thirds of that for the next week. I know you're not a turkey I, guy. That's just well, not a huge idea. turkey guy, but I also hate cranberry sauce. Yeah. That's like the one side on Thanksgiving that I really just don't like. It's very like. bitter. I'm just not, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan. Yeah. yeah. I had a Thanksgiving day dinner. So when I was coaching at Muhlenberg in 2002, one of our assistant coaches was from, he and his wife were from California. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course we had a playoff game that weekend, so I couldn't go home. I lived like, gosh, like eight, nine hours away from home at least. So I couldn't go home for Thanksgiving. I was a single guy, you know, young coach. So one of our coaches invited me over and I'm thinking, ah, Thanksgiving dinner, I'll get turkey. They didn't have turkey. They didn't have stuffing. They didn't have mashed potatoes. They had a, it was like, it was a, I can't remember. It was one of the, I'm like, I'm trying to shovel in food in my mouth. Like, oh my God, this is so disgusting, but I don't want to be rude. It was like green bean casserole, which I know a lot of people like, but I don't really like that. I'm a very picky eater, like with like what I like and don't like. But uh, yeah, I'm very traditional with what I like. Now, my my wife likes uh, so she'll make some things she likes. She likes cranberry sauce, uh, salad. So she likes cranberry sauce, but she makes it fresh. And then she also likes uh, candied yams. So she, you know, just mm-hmm. like yams with marshmallows on them and a little bit of brown sugar. She likes that as well. But I don't I don't fool with that stuff. So it's not really my cup of tea. I, I, I do like sweet potatoes though. Yeah, sweet potatoes. yeah. I'm not a not a big fan. Not a big fan. Yeah. I don't dislike them. Like I'll have sweet potato fries. I can well, that's fool good. with those a little bit, but I like sweet potato, like um, the candied yams. I'm not really a big fan of. And then I'll have pumpkin pie if somebody brings it, but if it's up to me, I, I don't. I don't buy pumpkin pie. You know, I, I'm pie. more of an apple or cherry pie kind of guy. Yes, sir. It's more my my cup of tea. And, I'll, and I'm a crumble. We've talked about this, Ryan. I'm a crumble guy. I like the pies yeah. that have the crumble. You're you're, you're a Dutch, you're a Dutch apple guy. Yeah, so yeah. I respect it. Yep, yep, and cherry as well. I like I like it on that as well. So. We are back up here to the top. Matt Matt Romero. Thank you, Matt. Special teams question. How can uh, teams take advantage of Notre Dame's aggressiveness on pump blocks, and would USC be the scumbag team to try and fake on Notre Dame? Um, (laughs) Scumbag (laughs) team kind of makes sense. Notre Dame's not as aggressive as people think. 
Yeah. That's the thing is like, they don't overwhelm you with numbers. What makes Brian may and Brian, you tell me if you disagree with this, this is how I see it. What makes Brian Mason so effective is he treats it like a blitz package in yep. that I'm going to find the weakness of your protection and I'm going to overload you there, but I'm not going to just bring 10 guys. Everybody comes and we're just overwhelming you with numbers. He's really smart about that, and it's a it's a unique approach, and it's what has allowed for so much of the success that they've had blocking punts. And I feel like they didn't block when it gets BC. It's like, man, you guys you guys are slacking, you know what I mean? Like, but I mean, I think that's a part of the game we did not talk about in our matchups because it's just hard to quantify, you know, special team statistics. And honestly, I just don't want to spend twenty minutes talking about special teams. But that's where Notre Dame can needs to be able to take advantage of this game. Ryan is they're going to have to try and steal some steal some yards from a uh, from a special team standpoint that comes that comes from blocking kicks to set up field position USC ranks 77th in the in the nation in uh, kick return uh, average but here's the other thing USC ranks uh C1 2 3 uh, let's see 131 they rank 126th in the nation in kickoff returns against them now part of that's cuz they score a lot Mm-hmm. But they also give up a lot of returns. Like uh, teams can return a lot against them, and so Notre Dame hasn't had a chance this year to really get their return game going because they just don't have a lot of attempts. Uh, number one, because they don't score a lot, and number two, because most teams will just kick it into the end zone. Yeah, USC doesn't do that a ton, and so looking at it, Notre Dame ranks uh, 118th in kick returns. That's 13 on the year. So they really haven't been able to get any of them going. Now this would be a game where if you can do that, that's great. I mean, that, this is that's the kind of thing where you're gonna you're gonna want to steal some yards in that re- that regard, Ryan, against this USC team. And then USC also ranks 111th in punt return average against them, but they've they haven't allowed a lot of returns. They, they rank 11th in the nation in punt return. So their punter number one, they don't punt a lot, and then when they do punt, they don't allow a lot of returns. So the kick return game and the punt block game. I think are two areas where I think Notre Dame can hopefully try and steal. But first of all, you got to force them to punt first. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the that's the tricky part about about you you know p- blocking a punt against USC is they don't punt a whole lot. I'm actually going to look at it now. They rank 129th in the nation in punt in punts. They've only punted the ball 26 times all season. So you know, number one, you've got a and you know who ranks right after them UCLA, which explains so much about that <laughs> game on Saturday, but. Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's a that's a big part of it as well. Uh, is is you got to force them to punt first. But if you do, if you can get a block, that's huge. What can that's, USC try a fake right? Maybe, maybe. But I don't know if they want to give Notre Dame that kind of short field, depending on where they would try to do that from. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, like you said, though, it's tough to run a fake against a team that doesn't really bring all out, right? Like it's right. not like a, you're not sacrificing the integrity of your coverage unit to just block a field goal. It's not like you're send a nine, send a 10, right? Like you're, you are in a situation where you're bringing three to four guys in the right spot. Like that's been the great thing about Brian Mason is that he's not sacrificing integrity for chaos, kind of like Alex Grinch on defense, for instance, mm-hmm. but that's an, another conversation probably for tonight. And it's yeah. uh yeah, but I mean, to your point, Brian, anytime that you're playing against a team like USC that has a potent offense, it's going to be able to score the score points you have to help yourselves in other ways, right? You have to be, get a little creative and being right. able to block a punt or 
maybe have an explosive play on a kick return to set yourself up in good field position. Winning the field position battle, I think, is a big part of this football game because this is a team that, again, you want to be able to make things easy on yourselves because USC, off to stop that offense, you're going to have to come up with some really good game plans, obviously. So helping yourselves in, with the little things can be a big thing to do. Yeah, I'm uh, following up with somebody on a very important uh turkey question i'm trying to find uh, out what uh, what he means by this question and then i'll answer it so let's get to some more here real quick and we have a question from archer resident mm-hmm. ohio state fan trying to pass the time <laughs> before their big game on saturday how much turnover will happen on the coaching staff this season for notre dame will marcus freeman have to give anyone the firm handshake or will potential turnover be guys getting promotions elsewhere i mean there's always a chance that someone could get a promotion elsewhere right there's always that opportunity yeah i personally don't think Marcus Freeman will really make any changes in the staff. I, and the reason I think that is, is maybe, maybe a guy here, but I mean, I don't know who that would be. I mean, I think especially right now, everybody's kind of doing a good job recently. Yeah. I think it'd be more about losing someone to promotion. I think, you know, maybe Al Golden goes back to the NFL, gets a D coordinator job, gets a head coaching job, something like that. But, you know, I know, and I know everybody's talking about Tommy Reese and we'll have a question. We'll have a question about that here in a second, but, I think Coach Freeman's thing is going to be we had a lot of stuff go not our way this year, injuries and things like that on offense. Mm-hmm. The offense is playing better now, and I want to give people a, a second year to really grow as a staff because like I made my own mistakes as the head coach, so you know I, 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 we're gonna. I think we're. I, I think that's kind of what I think is going to happen now. But all of it depends on how the season goes. I mean, look, you say, oh, get rid of Tom Reese. Well, what if Notre Dame goes lanes, lays like 49 on USC this weekend and, and scores 40 in a bowl game over somebody? And you're going to still you're gonna still say that? Or you can say, hey, look, you know, some things didn't go his way. Uh, here's the thing we got to remember about Tom Reese. A lot of stuff that he's going through right now is a first for him. Mm-hmm. He, you know, say he did a bad job getting Tyler Buckner ready for this game. But he's never had to get a young quarterback ready for a game before as the offensive coordinator. In his three years as an, as a, in his two years as a coordinator before this, he had fifth year Ian Book and fifth year Jack Cohn, right? And you know, things were different for him. It's all part of the learning experience when you hire a young coach. And I think that you'll likely see some sympathy to that, assuming two things: number one, that the offense finishes well; number two, that there aren't a bunch of rumors about where he's looking. I, I think the way that Marcus Freeman. Ha- some of the comments he made last offseason, Ryan, mm-hmm. I think it, the conversation with Tommy Reese needs to be, I want you back, but only if you want to be back, which means you're not going on interviews, you're not taking those phone calls. If you want to look, if, if you want to look around, do that now, and I'll do the same thing. Right. If you want to come back, then I need to know that you're committed to coming back no matter what between now and next season. Mm-hmm. that's the only conversation I think that you might see coach Freeman have with Tommy Reese, because I do think there's a, a feeling of let's see what the staff can do with continuity because the offense has been maddening this year, Ryan maddening. Mm-hmm. But the yep. one thing that we also can't dismiss is his role in the offensive recruiting class that Notre Dame has. Yeah. And so those two things both go together and some of the potential we've seen from the offense this year. It's like, if we can get the offense to be that more consistently and get a quarterback, you know, this thing may be something, right? And they've been playing with their backup quarterback all year. That's, and, I mean, 
think about that. I mean, we, we yeah. can't dismiss that, Ryan. We can't dismiss yeah. that they've gone eight and one or nine. Was it eight and one the yeah, last nine yeah. games with their backup quarterback? Mm-hmm. They beat the number five team in the country with their backup quarterback. They beat the number 17 in the team in the country on the road with their backup quarterback. What would USC's record be right now if they had to play the last nine games with Miller Moss? You know, so yeah. Yeah. it can't be dismissed. I, I hope that there's I hope that there is continuity on this coaching staff from this season to next season. Because to your point, Brian, I look, man, there's been some coaching decisions, some coaching performances that we've been super critical of. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But there's also been a lot of good that you can take right. out of, especially the new hires, right? Like Brian Mason has been a revelation, obviously, oh, right? Harry Heastan coming back after a couple of bad games has really gotten that team rolling, uh, yes. offensive line rolling. With no help from the past game. Exactly. Mike Mickens has taken a huge step forward as one of the best cornerback coaches in college football this year. Yes. No, go ahead. Keep going. Oh, that's all. I, I interrupt you enough. I want you. I want you. <laughs> that's, like, that's all I was going to say. That's all I was going to say. Go ahead. I I don't think Mike Mickens has taken a step forward. I think Mike Mickens has has gained more respect and more recognition for the job he's done. I think the difference this year and the last two years, he's got better players. Like I thought he did a great job in 2020 with Nick McLeod. I mean, that yeah. kid was like, yeah. got torched constantly in the ACC before then and turns into all ACC cornerback under Mike Mickens, right? Pretty yeah. darn good football player until mm-hmm. they played Bama, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Tariq Bracey, we see that kid lose his, his confidence in his heart. And, and then what does Mike Mickens do? Gets that kid back. You've How many times have you seen cornerbacks get torched the way Tariq did in 2020, lose their confidence where you had to take them off the field and then turn into what Tariq Bracey has done the last two years? And Gary yeah. Gray couldn't bounce back from that mentally. You know, Notre Dame was a pretty good team last two years with Clarence Lewis playing a lot of football mm-hmm. as a starter. Well, yeah. now he's having trouble getting a ton of snaps, and he's kind of a nickel guy and rotation guy because the talent's better. He's got a Cam yeah. Hart. He's got a Benjamin Morrison. And all of a sudden, wow, he's he hasn't changed anything. He just he's always been he's been very always been very good at getting the most out of his talent, in my opinion. And I think he's done that this year. And it's just this year, he just happens to have better players. You're seeing Tree Bracey be the guy we thought he could be. And you're seeing Benjamin Morrison just be an absolute stud. So I've always felt he was one of the better cornerback coaches in the country because you can't dismiss what he did at Cincinnati. I mean, he plays a big role in recruiting and developing the guys at Cincinnati as well. Sass. Yes. Sass guy. Yes. And Kobe Bryant and, you know what I mean, um, Arquan Bush and, and all those mm-hmm. guys. So uh, I think he's uh, – but uh, Dela McCullough – has yes. been tremendous. Tremendous. You yeah. know, Jared Parker's. I mean, here, here's an, a very underrated coach who we don't talk enough about. Mm-hmm. It's Jared Park, the job Jared Parker's done in the run game. Because mm-hmm. Michael Mayer's not dominating the pass game because Jared Parker, Michael Mayer's always been that dude. Yeah. But the first half of the year, we would hammer Michael Mayer for how bad he was as a blocker. Mm-hmm. The last been, four or five games, been he's been really good. Yeah. Now, that's a tribute to Michael Mayer wanting to take pride in his complete game. Kudos to to Michael Mayer, but also that's also coming from a push from Jared Parker, in my opinion, oh, and, yeah. and 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 then they were terrible against Navy, and then bounced back with a really good game against Boston College. Players get credit for that, but so does coaching, because if they didn't bounce back, we'd hammer the coaching. Yep. Right. And so you know, Chancey Stuckey's done a steadily, you know, I think he's done a good job when you watch how the receivers play. The production doesn't match the level of play from the receiving core at times, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I think Al Washington's done okay, 
you know, I think that's one where like we're going to have to have a conversation this offseason about like, man, I, I need to we need to do better on recruiting. We need mm-hmm. to do better in coaching. You know, Chris O'Leary, let's see how signing day goes. You know what yeah. I mean? But, yeah. um, you know, the safety play has been good, especially yeah. relative to the talent level. I, I don't think the talent level at safety right now is great. And the I mean, two uh, most talented guys that are healthy right now are converted from another position. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, so there's some questionable areas, but I think to Ryan's point, I think the continuity is something where let's see what we can do in year two. And, you know, but that doesn't mean other guys aren't going to, that doesn't mean the assistants are then going to not look for jobs. They may look sure. for jobs, but I do think this is just my opinion. I'm not giving you sourced information. This is just my opinion. I think that's how we're going to see coach Freeman handle the coaching staff this off season. And then focus on let's focus our time and emphasis on expanding the other aspects of our staff, get more analysts, get, you know, work on improving this part of our operation and making those other aspects better. I think that's something that we could see Notre Dame do a better job of and, and, and as an institution and then coach Freeman needs to push for that, but it's going to be hard to push for that while also remaking your coaching staff again. I think that'd be a challenge. I think right. I think I think the caps lock is broken in the chat, man. That's why why I, is that? I don't see it. No, there's a lot, there's a oh, lot of cap, caps. Michael. A lot of caps. That's my guy. That's my guy. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of caps there. All right, uh, he's very fired up about that conversation. All right, let's get down to salty Virginia peanuts. Follow up to Archer's question with the offensive game plans showing showing recent success. Minchie plus Carr and more at one point has Reese's season been a strong success? Look, talk to me after the next two games. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's I mean, right, right now, now. Yeah. I'd say it's been a success if you add all those things to it. Because mm-hmm. the recruiting, I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't diminish diminish the recruiting. He's got if if, if that's part of the equation, mm-hmm. then yes. If it's just coaching, mm, yeah. I need to see the next two games. It's gotten better, but I need to see the next two games for me. Yep. So Ryan is correct. Incomplete recruiting. Incomplete. A. Yep. Plus, oh yes, recruiting right? fantastic. I mean, love it. Yeah, Not just as, and here's the thing, Ryan, you can't evaluate Tom Reese as a recruiter just with quarterback recruiting, because mm-hmm. he also plays a key role in all the other parts of it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all it's been a bit of a winding road at times, but to put the the group together that they did without a quarterback is a huge, huge bonus for this offensive staff. I mean, I look. If the offensive class wasn't good, who got blamed when the offensive class wasn't filling up right? It was, oh, Reese. Reese got to get going. Well, you yeah. can't blame them when the staff class doesn't have guys and then not give them credit when they load up on talent. Yep. So yep. that's kind of where I'm at. Siggy asked this question. is interesting. Is Southern California college, uh, a regional offshoot of Cal like UM Dearborn? No. It is a private school. So USC, the University of Southern California, is not part of the California school system like UCLA, Cal Berkeley, you know, Cal Poly, San Luis, whatever, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's a private school, which is why they're not going through the same battle UCLA is going through right now with the board of regents, I believe is got a vote to approve them to go to the big 10. And it's not a given from what I've read. I mean, again, this is just what I've read. I don't know firsthand and I don't have any sources, just what I've read. It's there's some people in, that are part of this that don't think it's right for UCLA to leave. The, the Pac-12. So there's a chance they could vote to not let them leave for the Big Ten. They have no say on what USC does because they're a private school. So um, that's uh, – and I don't I don't know if a lot of people know that. 
that they're a private school. I didn't know that for a long time that they were a private school. I just assumed University of Southern California that they were like UCLA, mm-hmm. you know, just part of the the California school system, but they're not. So, Trucker Joe, is it a mistake to go away from the team's identity by passing more often? Um, yes, to a degree, but uh-huh. we're not calling for that. We're not calling for them to pass more often. We're we're calling for them to be better at passing. Is what we're asking for. You know, they don't need and, to throw and, the ball more than they did against BC, Ryan. Twenty five times. Yeah. If you, yes. you go eight, 19 of twenty five, Notre Dame's offense is going to be really good. For yep. the, for the, yeah. You have to do more with the with the opportunities you have. Let's yes, I think that's a good way to quantify it. Yep. Austin Schomburg has Benjamin Morrison been starting all year. He took over what in game three? I think it's game three after the Marshall it's game. Cal. Right? I think yeah. it's when he took over as starter, I believe. Yep. He played in game one. I mean, he played a lot against Ohio State and played well against Ohio mm-hmm. State, but he didn't start until, I think, game three. Matt Miller with a with a question. Clemson's defensive front is supposedly all NFL draft picks coming up. I'm confident in the big boys. If they if USC plays straight up, Matt, 100%. Yes. But, the difference but, they're, but they're, they're not going to. Right. Not going to. Exactly. Clemson thought they were good enough because of the elite players they have, the NFL players they have up front and the linebacker, that they could play Notre Dame straight up and just do what they do. And they mm-hmm. were proven wrong, right? BC did that to a degree. They were just going to do what we do. We're a real sound team and real disciplined team. And Notre Dame scheme-wise and then execution-wise just destroyed them, yeah. right? And and so what Ohio State did differently than Clemson is Cle- Ohio State did not just sit back and let Notre Dame run at them, number one. Now, Notre Dame wasn't as good then. But they also did a lot of run stunts that were very effective against Notre Dame. Now, USC is going to be a lot more exotic, which is a lot like who, Ryan? Navy. The difference yeah. is they're not as disciplined as Navy in it, right? No. But no. the philosophy is overwhelming with numbers. And Notre Dame didn't handle that real well. So to your point, Matt, if that's how the game plays out, I agree with you. But that's not how the game's going to play out. It's not going to be about their dudes versus Notre Dame's dudes. It's going to be about the scheme aspect of it. And if they can scheme them up and handle the scheme and and get everybody blocked, then they're going to they're going to have a lot of success. And Ryan, in my opinion, like a lot yeah. of success. It's it's not going to be a good it's not a good game plan to say Hunter Eccles, you're one on one with Blake Fisher all game. Is he? Is he, I don't think he's still at USC. Is he? Hunter Eccles is there. Is Are he? you sure? Or is he Arizona he transferred? Are you thinking of Solomon Bird? I'm thinking about Solomon Bird. I'm yeah. sorry. Hunter Eccles transferred yeah. to Arizona, right? Yeah. He's at Arizona now. That's yeah. my fault. That's my fault. Yeah. 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 Well, either way, that's still not a good matchup for them, yeah. right? That's not – I I mean, you. I guess you can talk yourself into – Well, they're inside know, guys totally as well. Totally being a good matchup against one of their tackles. Like, I guess you can, but – If you yeah. think he's going to have more success than Miles Murphy had, go for it. Mm-hmm. Go for mm-hmm. it, but they don't really do that. He he, his production is a is a byproduct of him being good, number one, and the system that allow that will get him free runs. I mean, that's the yeah. other thing too. Is is they they, they slide him inside a lot. Um, they like I said, they also brought Tolly from depth a lot in the in the UCLA game. Like they were playing him as like almost a stacked linebacker and just letting him blitz A and B gaps a ton too. So to your point, he's a movement based player. At six four two ninety for sure. Mm-hmm. They're inside. I think the key for me is is up the middle. Yeah, I have no doubt the tackles will play well. It's up the middle. If the interior guys play the way they did against Clemson and BC, this team will run for a lot of yards. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, especially up the Z Carell. And this is why I keep telling y'all 
maybe we should pump the brakes on, you know, wanting to throw Tyler Buckner off the team after two games because you don't think he's good. Because a lot of the same people saying that were the same people saying Zeke Carell needs to go. For the last month, that kid has been a flat-out dude on this mm-hmm. offensive line, Ryan. Like yep. You could argue he was their best lineman or most physical, impactful lineman against Boston College. You can make that case. Now, yeah. the, the marks of a good offensive line is that somebody else could argue Josh Lugg, somebody else could argue Blake Fisher, somebody else could, and that's the marks of a good offensive line. But Zeke has been in that conversation now twice, and he was very good against Clemson as well. So uh, that's going to be, he's got to continue that. Now, where they haven't been as good as these teams that do a lot of games, right? And that's the thing. They haven't been as good then. And that's going to be a key in this yep. game. You got Ray Holcraft. My strongest intuition says one, Tommy Reese, who I disdain, has a brilliant game plan. <laughs> Two, SC starts very slow. Three, Al Golden has an excellent game plan that will confuse. Caleb Williams a little bit in the first half. Well, I I'd take all that. I mean, I, yes, I would I would accept all that. I'm I, I like all that. Like all I, that. I I just love it's just it, that just made me laugh so much. The who I disdain part in parentheses yeah. just made me laugh. Those yeah. Thanks, this Ryan. is a this is an interesting question. Uh, obviously, uh, especially when you think that this kind of happened to a Pac-12 team last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Guns asked, what, what would happen if, let's say, Tommy Reese's breakfast or lunch doesn't sit well with him in the middle of the game? Who would fill in for a few minutes? Well, we kind of had a more serious situation happen last year with Oregon and uh, mm-hmm. when Joe Moorhead uh, had yes. that health issue before the game and they had to rush him to the hospital. My yeah. understanding is Notre Dame has a contingency plan for that, and it would be Jared Parker taking over. Yeah. Play which, which makes sense. He has experience as an offensive right. coordinator, so makes right. sense. Yeah. Right. So that would be the case if something like that were to happen. Hopefully it does not. So we got a very important question down here, uh, Ryan, that I want to get to now that it, it has been uh, brought up or clarified. So Irish blood, it says, Brian, you weren't here the other day. How do you prefer your Turkey? And the debate was smoked versus deep fried versus in the oven. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think they're all great options. I'm an oven guy personally. That's just, that's kind of how I like it. So my wife and I, we've come, we've come up with a really, uh, good rub that we kind of make from scratch and we use that. And so I'm more of an oven guy, but I've been, my dad's deep fried some years where I've been home and I, it was really good. Smoked is probably my least favorite of those options, to be honest wow. with you. Wow. Yeah. Or turkey. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I like, I like it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll like it on like a, like deli turkey meat mm. you know, deli, but just not on a, it's probably my least favorite, but I like turkey. I love turkey. I think, no, I'm a big turkey fan, so I'll take it anyway. But that would be of the three, my least favorite. I've never, I've never had deep fried, but if my options are oven or smoked, I would definitely go smoked. It wouldn't be any conversation for it. There you go. Irish Shy Town says, Brian, who do you want to play in the bowl game? I'll, I'll say it again. I want Cincinnati. I really want the 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 Cotton Bowl matchup against Cincinnati. That's what I want. Now, I don't mm-hmm. want Cincinnati in any other bowl. Like, I wouldn't want them in, like, the Camping World Bowl. I don't I think that's an option. I'm just making a point. But if Notre Dame is able to beat USC and Cincinnati wins their next two, I think it would be a great storyline and a, a tremendous storyline. And it would be a nice kind of kind of final feather to put in Marcus Freeman's cap. You in the New Year's Six, you know, drought that goes back to 94, and you also beat your former boss, who some Notre Dame fans thought should have been the, you know, should have been the, the guy that got hired instead of you. I think that'd be a nice way to 
cap off the season, Ryan. I would much rather do that than playing Mississippi State or Kentucky or, you know, I mean, the only the only mediocre SEC team I'd want to play is Florida, just because at least they have some brand recognition. But you get nothing. You're not going to get any recruiting cachet for beating Kentucky or Mississippi State. None. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a lot more beating Cincinnati than you will those teams, in my opinion, Ryan. I don't know if you – you probably disagree with that, I would well, assume. Let me uh, let me ask you a question, Brian. I know you hated breaking down the triple option for mm-hmm. Navy Week. Would you rather break that down, or would you rather break down Mike Leach's air raid offense? Well, I'd much rather break down the air raid. Okay. I mean, I, I'm fat. I I would never run it, but I'm fascinated by the air raid. Like as far as like watching it, just the different versions of it and stuff. I yeah. I don't like the way he. I for me as an offensive coach, I would never implement that. I'm a, I'm a balanced guy. I love running the football and being able to throw. You know, my buddy says run downhill, throw downhill. I mean that's that's kind I, I, that's the foundation of I'd be. I'd also I do more RPOs and I like screens and stuff like that. But when I was a pass game coordinator, I was a throw. I'm I'm a throw downhill. My I mean my favorite play all times double posts. I love that concept and then the different things you can do off of it. And, you know, so uh, that's that's where I'm at, you know, Ryan. But I, I think the air raid is a really intriguing offense to run or to, to study, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in the different ways. So between the two, I'd much rather study that. But I would but even the Mike Leach version, which is by far my least favorite version, the, the Mike Leach, Graham Harrell, because Graham Harrell tried to be Mike Leach, but he's just not as smart or experienced in it as Mike Leach. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, I prefer, as far as the versions of the Air Raid, I, I mean, Lincoln Riley probably runs my favorite version of the Air Raid because he, his his running game is so much better than Phil Longo's. Now, Phil, when Phil Longo had a great Air Raid attack two years ago, they ran the ball a ton, mm-hmm. but it was you know not a very good league and he had really talented NFL type of backs and all that. I just think his his offensive scheme is a little too finesse for me in how he blocks up his run game. Not that Lincoln Riley's teams are blow your face off, come off the ball teams, but there's just a there was at Oklahoma at least there was a little bit more physicality to it than what Phil Longo's to me, right? Yep. Uh, and and it, you didn't need the quarterback to be effective with that, in my opinion. Yep. And with the way Lincoln Riley did it, so that's that's uh, that's my favorite version of the air raid. I really like what he does with. I I, I really like watching USC film, just like I watched liked watching Oklahoma film. You know, I hated the how dumb some of the defensive schemes were that they did in the Big Twelve. That was stupid, but I really enjoy watching his offense. I love three two five. That's my favorite. Yeah, so it's not it's somehow they may as well just play with not ten guys. Seriously, so ugly. so stupid. Yeah, that's so stupid. All right, let's get to the next one here real quick. But yeah, easily my answer for that one, Ryan. Seek and destroy, Ryan. So what you're saying is, if we had Caleb Williams as quarterback, uh, we would be unbeatable. Yeah. Yes. I mean, seriously, <laughs> yes. if Caleb Williams is Notre Dame's quarterback right now, they're 10 and 0 or 11 and 0, and we're, they're the number one, they're the number two team in the, actually, maybe number one, because they'd have a win over number, they'd have a win over number five, Ohio State, because, you know, mm-hmm. say Ohio State falls out. They'd have a win over number eight, Clemson, a win over number 17, North Carolina, and they would have blown everyone else out. Yes. Because yeah. here's the thing against Marshall, that post route where Braden Lindsay was wide open. That's a touchdown if Caleb Williams is the quarterback. Oh, yeah. Right? The the play when they're up 15-12 and Braden Lindsey converts the hitch to a fade, it's an easy touchdown if he's there. I mean, yes, 100%. 100% they're undefeated if he's their quarterback. That's how good the rest of this team is, in my opinion. But 
We're not talking yeah. about margin for error if, uh, if no. Caleb Williams to the quarterback. No. <laughs> there is no. We're margin talking about Notre Dame being a national championship contender. Seriously, yes, yeah, yeah you seriously, are. you are. So, um, and I think he'd be the Heisman. He'd be the leading Heisman contender because he'd be eleven and one and be playing in all the primetime games that Notre Dame has played in. He would have outdueled C.J. Stroud and Drake May, mm-hmm. right? And uh, yeah, we'd be we'd be having some fun. We'd be having some fun conversations about that, but. It is not meant to be. Chris Davison. B. Ryan, here's a rapid-fire statement. Mitchell Evans still will have a touchdown reception and a touchdown pass out of the Mitchapalooza package on Saturday. Thoughts? I, I mean, a pass has to come out of it at some point, right, Brian? I mean, yeah. we saw we saw the little you know sweep to Audric yeah. Estime or whatever it was, and then you've seen, obviously, the quarterback sneak a ton. There's got to be some type of pass off of this at some point, right? It's got to happen. I'm not going to predict it happens this week, but it's got to be at some point in his career. There's got to be yeah. a pass for Mitchell Evans, right? And for those who don't know, Mitchell Evans was a quarterback in high school. Yeah. So he actually, I mean, he could throw. I mean, he's not a college quarterback, right? Don't get me wrong. He's like, sure. you know, but he, he's, you know, he's, he's Gary Godsey to me, kind of, kind of guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, he's a uh, massive dude, man. He's a massive right. kid. Yeah, <laughs> he really is. But no, he was he was a decent quarterback. I'm trying to pull up his numbers uh, here real quick and see if I can find his passing numbers. Uh, it doesn't look like I can see them. No, that's a different Mitchell Evans. That's why. So that kid's oh. numbers weren't very good. All right, let's see if I can find him here. I want to find out what his numbers were in high school. Uh there's got to be like a Tim Tebow jump pass at yeah. some point, right? He There's was uh, he played quarterback as a, in 2020 as a senior, and he finished with 2,132 passing yards and 23 touchdowns. And he was a second team All State kid as a quarterback. It's pretty good, man. It's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. So again, you're talking about a kid that can throw the football, right? I'm not again. He's not like your. He, I mean, you know, we were asked earlier in the year, like, who's your mercy quarterback? And and at the time, he was out, so like there really wasn't one. But yeah. now that's your emergency quarterback since Avery Davis is hurt. You know, yeah. that'd be my emergency quarterback. So he can take a snap and he can hand the ball off and he can run, you know, and he can throw. So that would be, that would be the answer there. So, some power read with a six, six, two, six, yeah. would be pretty fun. Yeah. Be interesting. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you this to Chris's thing. I would love to see that if, if he throws a touchdown pass and catches a touchdown, uh, it's probably a, Either one of two things happen, Ryan. Notre Dame mm-hmm. blows USC out, or stuff went really, really wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like Drew's out, Angeli gets knocked out, and you're like, okay, yeah, we're gonna have to put him in quarterback. <laughs> you know, that's funny. And, and he throws a TD pass up, uh, down forty-five to seven. You know what I mean? Like that's that would, yeah. Well, it, for Mitchell Evans to catch a touchdown, though, someone has to throw it to him, right? Right. So, right. But hey, you know, it's uh, it's uh, Logan Diggs on the throwback. Love it. Love it. Right. Love it. So there you go. Can Logan uh, throw too? I love to hear it. Uh, we've seen him do it. Uh, didn't they throw? Yeah. Didn't he throw a pass? Was it the spring game? I could have swore Logan Diggs is throwing a pass. You may have seen right. him throw a pass. You may be right. Um, but uh, I, I am I am I am I making that up? I I, I might be making that up. He didn't throw I'm one this sure. year. Uh, didn't that, was it the spring game? I could have swore I've seen him throw a pass before, but I could I be know. I could be wrong. All right, Robert Bishop asks: Has C.J. Williams not played at all for USC this year? Yes, he has played uh, this season, and 
think he had like four see. catches, right? Yeah, like four for thirty he's, he's, something. He, yeah, he's and he's played like as a rotational guy, you know, like a guy that will get snaps late in the game. I'm just pulling up USC's uh, situation here to see what his total number of snaps are. He doesn't play a ton. He's not like a a key contributor for them, but he has played here. Let's look this up. Offense wide receiver CJ has played 58 snaps this year in eight games. So yeah, 31 pass snaps and then uh, 27 run snaps. So yeah, he's played, he's played. And Ryan, to your point, you said you're talking about his numbers. I'll just pull them up real quick. He hasn't caught the ball often, but he has caught the ball. It's like four for 36 or something. Four Four for 34. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Four for 34. And he had one catch for 11 yards against Rice, one for 14 against Arizona, and then two for nine against Colorado. So that's what he has done. Milton Flan, Milton Fan 15, uh, was Flowers from BC good preparation for Jordan Addison? Absolutely. The problem is the rest of them don't get you prepared for Mario Williams, Brendan Rice, Kyle Ford, Taj Washington. You know, that's the thing that makes USC tough is that they, you know, Patrick Garwell coming out of the backfield is a whole different animal than Jordan Addison. I mean, uh, than, than Austin Jones coming out of the backfield and Relique Brown coming out of the backfield. Big and slow versus faster and dynamic. So, yes, individually playing Zay Flowers, if you can handle him, you can handle all of those guys that USC has. But it's just the waves. You could take him out. You could take Mario Williams out and get ripped up because – that's kind of what happened early against Colorado. Williams and Addison weren't making a lot of plays. Brendan Rice was ripping Colorado open. Kyle Ford was going, I think, had a big play. But they were leaving Brendan Rice wide open, and he was just ripping them up. And there's like a third and 20-something he caught over the middle. I think I told you this, Ryan. I'm watching on TV, and he caught it and took several steps before there was a Colorado player on the screen. You know what I mean? On a third and long. So they just have a lot of different weapons. I actually really like Brendan Rice. I actually, really, I think yeah. he's a good football player, but he's yeah. just, you know, he's like a third yeah. or fourth leading receiver because yeah. it's a loaded team. Yeah. And we don't even talk about Terrell Bynum, who's also a really good football player and made a really, in my opinion, poor decision to go to transfer, in my opinion. Could you imagine that Washington receiving core if they also had Terrell Bynum? With, with Giles Jackson and yeah. Jalen McMillan, McMillan and, and, and Rome Adunze. Romeo yeah. Adunze. Yeah. Yeah. Like crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Cause he, he, uh, in 2021 at Washington, he had 26 catches for 436 yards. And, uh, yeah, he'd be, a, he'd be a key part of that. Yeah. Real, real, real poor decision to, to leave and go to USC. Irish Chi Town. Brian, what are your favorite memories of the Notre Dame USC rivalry? So I'll give three of them, uh, one up, four of them. Okay, one is I was not a part of, and that was my first Notre Dame USC game, watching it as a kid. Um, it was at my friend Jameson Jennings' house. They had one of those big satellite TVs, right? It looked like a, like a little mini movie theater, and we watched the '88 game against USC. You know, Tony Rice with the long run, the bomb, the rocket, Sans Magala, pick six, all that stuff. The second one was the first time I was in the Coliseum. It was a pretty cool moment, right? And that was, I think, in 2014 was when I was there. Uh, first time being down there thinking of, man, there's been Super Bowls here. There's been an Olympics here. Like, you know, all the Notre Dame games that have been here. It was a pretty cool moment. Number two was in tw- a moment I shared with my wife, actually. So in 2015, they would actually let me take a camera up top. Ryan, you would have loved this. They let me put a camera up top and film the game so I could use it for breakdowns. 
and you know I couldn't put it out and use it for publication, but they'd let me watch it, use it to watch it for breakdowns. And eventually, they the new SID came in and wouldn't let me do it anymore. But uh, so they were so this is back when the the uh, press box was on the other side and it had like an out, an outdoor thing with like a cover, but you were outdoors. So it was the 2015 game. Um, USC had just gone down and scored. My wife was having like she had a question, so you could just like walk up one flight of stairs and you're on the top. So I went up there and I'm getting her all set up. And I was like, well, they're getting ready to start the series. So I'll just stay up here for the series. Right. And on that first play, if you remember, they, Notre Dame goes in motion and it's Will Fuller on a post route against Adoree Jackson. Deshaun Kaiser launches it and you could just hear the crowd crescendo as they saw that ball going and they were like, oh, snap. Will Fuller just smoked this dude. And as soon as he caught it, <clears throat> place goes nuts. It was so loud. And then, of course, he outruns him for a touchdown. That was a really cool moment. And then just the whole 2017 game was just a great memory. Just just watching them just physically, yeah. just physically beat the crap out of USC. And, and just to work, work, you know, I call it the no Moss game because Rasheem Green's just like turning his back and be like, I don't want any more of this from Quentin Nelson. I'm done, you know. Uh, and, you know, that was probably my next favorite memory. That, that was definitely one of the tops for me, too, the 2017 game. I completely – I remember going into that that Adoree Jackson Will Fuller game, Brian, where everyone was talking up Adoree Jackson, like best one of maybe the best athlete in college football. That Will Fuller just birds him for the first play. It was just fantastic, man. I'll say this too, even though it it brings back some painful moments as well. The Bush push was a great game, man. It was. Mm-hmm. It was a great, great football game. So yeah. I, I do appreciate that game because Notre Dame came to play. Like it was a the very question game was great it's a team. F- favorite memory. Well, it's not favorite, but it is a very memorable. Memory. I had a an interesting. I had an interesting, fun memory from that that's been diminished because now the game ended. But we were playing that day. I think we were playing Juan College or Averett. I can't remember who we were playing, but we were playing that day, and. After the game, like, you know, we shake hands with the other team and you have to say hi to the parents. And I'm like doing that, Ryan, as fast as I could. I'm like, I'm like the first person out going through the line, shaking hands. I'm saying hi to the parents real quick. And then I sprinted back to my office. I had our video guy, because on you know, VCRs, you could hook the VCR up to the cable and then you could like watch ABC and NBC and all that. So as soon as I run back, um, yeah, you're good. As soon as I run back, uh, I had to, like, I get there as Tommy Zibikowski fields that punt. Uh, and then runs it back. So, and I think that put him up like 17-14 or 17-7 or something like that. I can't remember the score, but I'm going nuts, of course. And then, of course, I sat there and watched the rest of the game fold out the way, uh, unfold the way that it did. That was a little, a little sad and heartbreaking, to be completely honest with you. But uh, so it's not a favorite memory in that regard. But um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a little frustrating. Paul says, uh, asks, Brian, uh, mailbag question, has so Cal and or Notre Dame produced the better running backs as a whole? No penalty points for murder. Look, even if you take OJ out of the conversation, it's not a question. I mean, it's USC by a, 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 a thousand miles. I mean, I, I honestly don't know. And, and people can correct me if I'm wrong here or if there's a team that I'm not thinking of. Uh, but I don't know if there's a team that's ever produced running backs the way that USC has. I mean, it, you're talking about, I mean, some of the guys were just great college players, but some have also gone on to be great pros. you got Charles White was a great player, Marcus Allen, Anthony Davis, Ricky Bell, um, Reggie Bush, Lendell White, Ronald Jones, Mike Garrett, I think won a high, I think, didn't Mike Garrett win a Heisman Trophy? I can't remember. 
But yeah, I mean, they have had some phenomenal, phenomenal running backs over the years that uh, just, you know, Ricky Irvin's from the 80s was another one. They've had some great backs over the years. So you got to go with USC on that one. I mean, Notre Dame's had some great backs, but Notre Dame's all-time leading rusher is Audrey Denson. Their all-time leading rusher is Charles White. There's not a conversation there, you know. So um, USC, to me, has certainly produced greater um, running backs than than USC has, no, no doubt about it. Or excuse me, USC has produced greater running backs than than Notre Dame has, no doubt about it. Let's get to some more here. Milton fan, uh, this is a question for Ryan. I'll go ahead and answer it if you don't mind. Uh, Notre Dame 23 recruiting class, who has the lowest floor, but also a very high ceiling. Of the current class, I would say the guy with the greatest floor to ceiling gap for me would probably be um, either Armo Mookum or Bubakar Traore would be the ones for me because they're both pretty raw kids that are still learning the game. Uh, they'd be probably my top two on defense. My my number one on offense would probably be Sullivan Absher just because he's he's plays in an option offense. He's going to have so much to learn that you wonder how he's going to translate. But if he hits, man, he's got a lot of talent, a lot of talent. There's no doubt about it. Let's get down here to this question from Ashley Hill. Pine has been here th- for three years, and Tommy didn't coach him up. Calling him a backup with disdain is strange. Injuries are part of the game. Reese, five years, no return on QB or top scoring offense. I mean, you can call it strange all you want. It's a statement of fact, Ashley. He's their backup quarterback. I mean, do you think he starts for anybody else in the top 25? I don't. You know, I mean, at least based on what we've seen. So, I mean, you get upset about it all you want, but he's a backup quarterback. It's a statement of fact. It's not said with disdain. I've been a big proponent and a big pusher of Drew Pine. Great kid. Great backup quarterback. A kid that you can beat a lot of teams with. You can't beat the big team, best teams with because of him. That's just a fact, in my opinion. So you can be upset about it if you want, but it was not said with this with disdain. That's that's you reading into my emotion something that's not there. That's that's on you, not me. Uh let's see here. Irish blooded. Oh, here we already got that one. Michael Kostrup asks: Will USC be smart enough to avoid Benjamin Morrison? Can they, with the other parts of the secondary playing well? USC is not going to avoid Benjamin Morrison. I um, hate to break it to y'all, but they're going to they're gonna look at this and say, yes, Benjamin Morrison's a very good player, but he has, you, he's gotten beat deep a couple times, right? Including late in the year, got beat against BC down the field, got beat against Syracuse down the field. They're, they're going to say, we got Jordan Addison, we got Mario Williams, we've got really good players. So they're not going to be afraid of anybody on Notre Dame's defense in the secondary. Now, that doesn't mean that those guys won't make plays. They don't respect them. There's a difference between not fearing a guy and not respecting a guy. I think they're going to respect all the Notre Dame secondary players and my the corners, I should say, with the exception of they'll probably go after Jaden Mickey because he's young and aggressive and has been prone to big plays, but they're going to know his talent. Uh, they're going to know Benjamin Morrison's talent. If Cam Hart plays, they'll know his talent. If if Brandon Joseph plays, they'll know his talent. Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts, they'll respect their talent, but they're also going to look at and say, but we got – Jordan Addison and Mario Williams and Brendan Rice and these guys, we're not going to be afraid of their guys. We're going to go after them, but you do it smartly. And I think that's what we'll see. They're, they're not going to be afraid of Notre Dame's defensive backs and they'll throw it. They'll throw at him. And, and again, Benjamin Orson's played great, great football, but Cam Williams, Caleb Williams is not DJ Uyunglele and he's not Emmett Moorhead, right? This is a different animal for Notre Dame as well. 
that we're that you're going to see this weekend. Uh, Andres Nito says, is UNC a good enough program to keep Drake May? Yes, number one, they are. But number two, that's – that's. I mean, his family has – his dad played there. His brother won a national championship on the basketball team there. If you guys remember, he hit that game winner, that three-point shot. Was it Elite Eight or Final Four? I forget where it was, uh, to beat Kentucky. So he Drake May's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Uh, let's see here. TJ Stalica, any chance on Keon Keeley recommitting to Notre Dame, or are we totally out of his sweepstakes? TJ, I would love to be able to tell you yes. Would love to be able to tell you yes, but I just can't. I have heard nothing from anyone that is has any credibility whatsoever to me uh, from a source standpoint that has said that there's any chance of that happening. Would Notre Dame love to have Keon Keeley back? I can say definitively with 100% certainty there's not a doubt that if Keon Keeley called up tomorrow and said, hey, I want to come back, there's not a doubt in my mind that Notre Dame wouldn't say, yeah, with open arms. I mean, they'd probably have some questions to ask. Like, okay, are you serious? Are you sure? You know, what's the reasons why? And just kind of understand why the change of heart is happening. Uh, but they would absolutely take him back with open arms. The entire recruiting class would take him back with open arms. Like, there's still a lot of love and respect for Keon Keeley. They're not happy with his decision because he's not going to come play for them. But there's a lot of love and respect for Keon Keeley with the recruits and with the coaching staff. It just, he doesn't want to go to Notre Dame and there's nothing they can do about that. And that's just the reality of it. I wish it wasn't true. I hope that that changed. I, I wish, I hope that I pray that sometime between now and December 21st, Keon Keeley wakes up and realizes what he could be a part of in Notre Dame. I wish that were true. And he realizes like I could go be the next so-and-so at, at North Car- at Alabama or Ohio state or I go to Notre Dame and be the first Keon Keeley and this, you know, this, this legendary player. And, uh, you know, unfortunately that's not what he wants to do. He wants to do a different, he wants to go a different route and, you know, I respect him for it. I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. I think he's wrong. Honestly. Uh, I think he's a much better fit at Notre Dame than he is at Alabama or Ohio state in, in a lot of different ways, but unfortunately he doesn't, he doesn't agree. And in this instance, it's really only what T, what what Keon thinks. It doesn't matter what Brian Driscoll thinks. It only matters what Keon thinks. And that's just – that's where we're at. Next question from uh, TJ is, uh, how does USC joining the Big Ten affect our game against them? I don't know the answer to that, TJ. I really don't. Uh, I don't I don't know how it's going to affect scheduling. We haven't seen what the Big Ten is going to do. I, I – I, I know that both have said that they plan on that they want to keep this rivalry together. I would hope that Notre Dame would use this opportunity to say to them, hey, we're not going to do this whole we play you at the end and you play us in the middle at our place thing. If I were Notre Dame, I would try to use this kind of scheduling change for them to say we're going to play the last game of the year no matter where it is. That's just what – because Ohio State-Michigan is going to be then. you got all these Big Ten rivalry games. You're going to do what Ohio State-Michigan does, and we're going to play our rivalry game last Saturday of every regular season, no matter what. I wish they would do that. I don't think Notre Dame will, but I wish they would because I would love to see that. I would love to see that game be the last game of every year. And I would also like to have Notre Dame kind of have a home game every other year at the end of the season. I, I get tired of this every year. After Thanksgiving, you got to fly out to California and play a game out west. It's just I, I don't I don't care much for it. make USC do that after Thanksgiving every now and then. So that would make me would make me very 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 happy. So that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. So thank you for that question, TJ, and all the other questions we got and the super chats we got. We appreciate y'all very very much. Uh, so 
we're going to head out of here. So please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. And uh, we will see you again tonight, 8 o'clock, for our Keys to Victory breakdown of Notre Dame and USC. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.